Hi, I'm Luke Fountain, and welcome to the Education Democracy Podcast. For today's episode, I interviewed Mr. Sean Miller, a white man teaching at Fred T. Ford High School in Hickory, North Carolina. Ford is a rural high school with about 950 students who are mainly white. Miller's in his 20th year of teaching since starting in 2002, and he received his undergraduate degree in social studies education from Lock Haven University of Pennsylvania. And he also received his master's degree in history education from Appalachian State University. He's taught U.S. history, AP U.S. history, and AP European history. For the past few years, and including this year, Miller's taught U.S. history to 11th and 12th grade students. Miller has a combination of many different philosophies and does not fit neatly within any specific box. His explanations of his teaching styles and his priorities in the classroom highlight aspects of critical or liberation pedagogy, as well as personally responsible citizen philosophy. It also highlights historical education ideas and philosophies of counter-narrative and difficult histories. All right, let's get to the episode. Before I get into a deep understanding of Miller's teachings, it'd be helpful to define a few terms. First is the personally responsible citizen philosophy, which is a civic educational philosophy that emphasizes individual actions that aid one's community, such as paying taxes, serving on a jury, and obeying laws. Westheimer and Kahn are the two main scholars to know of that we've studied this term in their writings of What Kind of Citizen? The Politics of Educating for Democracy, published in 2004. The next definition is the critical or liberation pedagogy, which is a civic education philosophy that assumes that unjust power structures exist in society and that they privilege some and oppress others. The philosophy also focuses on the holistic function of education and emphasizes human beings' needs. The goal of it is to have students form critical consciousness through social critique and political action and level the playing field between teachers and students. Paulo Ferreri's Pedagogy of the Oppressed, published in 1968, and George Count's Dare the School, Build a New Social Order, from 1932, are the two main scholars and writings that were used as reference for this philosophy. The final two terms that need to be mentioned are historical education philosophies, those of counter-narratives and difficult histories. Counter-narrative is a history education idea first posed by Ladson Billing and Tate in 1995 when they introduced critical race theory. Counter-narratives introduce ideas and narrative that usually reject the widespread and prevailing beliefs about historical events and figures and have emerged as powerful sources to present the voices of marginalized communities. Finally, the difficult histories philosophy is a history education philosophy that tends to refute broadly accepted versions of the past with narratives that are often dissonant with the narrative template that characterizes the overall memory of the nation's past or contradicts the national values. To get started, Miller's teaching of Abraham Lincoln highlights aspects of critical or liberation pedagogy. I'm going to give him a source from Lincoln, and if you would read it, you would think Lincoln is the biggest racist on the face of the earth, but they have to understand the context that Lincoln has to say the need, things he needs to say to get elected, because if he doesn't get elected, he can't do any of the good that mm-hmm. he's associated with. By exposing students to writings of Lincoln that broadly refute the widespread public perception of Lincoln, Miller's teaching his students critical consciousness by critiquing and helping students to understand Lincoln more holistically through their critiquing of his political actions to get elected. However, this teaching of Lincoln does not demonstrate the elements of critical pedagogy that assume unjust power structures in society, nor does it level the playing field between Miller and his students, making them equal. 
Miller's teaching of Lincoln also showcases components of the difficult history's history education philosophy by showing Lincoln in a different light than what is the broad public perception of Lincoln. Lincoln is often talked about as the epitome of an anti-racist and as the great emancipator of enslaved peoples. However, Miller is pushing back against that narrative by introducing some of Lincoln's statements that are dissonant with the prevailing opinions and show Lincoln in a more racist and negative light. Miller's teaching of Lincoln also goes with the ideas of counter-narrative first proposed by Ladson, Billing, and Tate. By showing Lincoln in a racist light and a negative perception based on his statements, Miller is pushing back and showing counter-ideas that Lincoln was an anti-racist and positive figure in history. While it's certain that Lincoln's accomplishments were greatly beneficial for the nation as a whole, posing him as a merely positive figure with no flaws would continue the public perception of Lincoln. Also, in keeping with the critical or liberation pedagogy, Miller explained that he purposely tries to bring in minority voices. Voice in government probably is our, I mean, that's really the civil rights movement. That is, you know, women's rights movements. That's, you know, all that's, that's workers' rights movements and the Gilded Age. So I think it's upholding the ideals of what the revolution was. I think is probably our big theme. Miller's purposeful and intentional action of exposing students to impactful historical figures who are not white men helps to uplift minority voices that have long been forgotten. From the founders being white men to Lincoln and Civil War generals often being white men, much of history can appear to be whitewashed and simply the story of the white man. So, by introducing thinkers like Frederick Douglass and even women like Susan B. Anthony later in American history, Miller is causing students to begin to think critically about the singular importance of white men in American history and start to ponder the impact of other groups throughout time. What accompanies showing minority voices is Miller's larger goal of teaching what he calls the big history of America. I think my role is, and this is probably not the same as every U.S. teacher's, but I don't try to give them the shiny, glossy American history version. We want to kind of get into the the not so maybe good things all the time and the blemishes in American history so they can see that, you know, we just can't assume it's always going to be perfect. Also, Miller's purposeful introduction of minority voices is in keeping with the counter-narrative idea. Minority voices are the key element of counter-narrative, and it introduces voices of marginalized communities to help demonstrate inequalities and push back against prevailing public perceptions of historical events and figures. What's more is that Miller is instilling students with a sense of critical consciousness to always dig below the surface of historical events and issues to make sure that they understand the full picture of the impacts and ramifications for all groups involved. However, Miller does not solely teach critical or liberation pedagogy. He also still implements elements of personally responsible citizenship. They've grown up with social media just being the norm. And they read it, or they see it, and they assume it's true. So I try to spend a lot of time with evaluating sources. Like, here is information, and we find the bias in this information. Why does this person say what they're saying? Why do they believe what they're saying? So hopefully, they can translate that into the stuff they're exposed to online. Through his teaching of digital media literacy, Miller is not only instilling into students the idea that they are individually responsible for being critical of information they encounter online, but he's also equipping them with the useful skills to analyze that information they encounter. He's also instilling the idea of being skeptical of information until students can verify it so they don't fall for fake or misleading information. These skills, he hopes, are not only useful for the time in his classroom, but Miller hopes that they are useful well after the students graduate from high school. I agree with Miller's teachings of civic or liberation pedagogy in his classroom. 
by instilling students to be critical of all leaders throughout history, even those who are often held up on pedestals like Lincoln, students gain that critical consciousness that they can then implement into their lives after class. But I do think that there should be more justice-oriented pedagogy instilled in the classroom, such as instilling students to volunteer and become active in their communities, supporting things that they believe in as a way to make students more engaged in American democracy throughout their lives. Integrating aspects of critical and justice-oriented pedagogy would be the philosophy that I would have. Making students active in their communities and advocating for change, while also instilling them with the ideas to be analytical of power structures throughout society that affect everyday lives, would be the best method of instilling students to be the best citizens they could be. The references used for this project were The Pedagogy of the Oppressed by Paula Ferreri, Dare the School Build a New Social Order by George Counts, what Kind of Citizen, The Politics of Educating for Democracy by Westheimer and Kahn, Towards a Critical Race Theory of Education by Ladson, Billing, and Tate, and What Makes History Difficult by Gross and Tara. All right, that's a wrap on the show. Tune in next week to hear another analysis and interview of a teacher. Until next time, this has been Luke Fountain on the Education Democracy Podcast.